I am so excited to be up here with this amazing speaking team today. It is an honor and a privilege. So before we get started, I'd like us to just introduce ourselves briefly so you know who we are. I'll start. I'm Sarah. I'm one of the pastors here. I no longer go to school. Um, so I'm not in any grade, but I am always learning, always learning. And one of my favorite things to do is to go camping. So I'm excited for summer. My name is Alyssa, and I'm in eighth grade. One fun fact about me is that I play the cello, and I'm in school orchestra. My name is Lena. I'm in 10th grade, and I enjoy dancing. Uh, my name is Emma. I'm in the 11th grade, and... Genuinely, one of my favorite things to do is just listen to music. My name is Kaylee. I'm in eighth grade, and one of my favorite things to do is listen to Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's very specific. I like that. Thank sure. you. Thank you for sharing a little bit about yourselves with us today. So today, we would like uh, to take this opportunity to tell the story of Jesus. And so we're going to highlight who Jesus is and the story of his life. And we're also going to share some personal connections that we have to the story of Jesus. And so as we begin today, we want to recognize that the story of Jesus doesn't begin with his birth, but rather with creation, that God created um, God created and God wanted to be in relationship with humanity. People turned their backs on God, but God never turned God's back on us. And so God did not give up on people. He made a covenant with starting with a guy named Abraham and, and his descendants. He said, I will be your God and I will bless all nations through you. And I will send a Messiah, a Savior, the Chosen One, to bless all nations through you. And so today, Kaylee's going to start us off at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Hi, I'm going to talk about the calling of apostles. And I'm going to start out with reading Luke 4, 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for their fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left the nets and followed him. Jesus went on to call twelve apostles and many more disciples to follow him. And he told them to go out and fish for people. And I really like that wording, because I feel like he's saying to bring people to him so they can follow him. Because who you choose to follow in your life is very important. I have a funny experience about following. Me and my family went on a ski trip recently. And I had never been skiing before this trip. So it was our second day skiing. Our ski instructor had just went down. And we thought, we'll be fine. We can get down the mountain fine. We know where we're going. So we started skiing down. And I was like, guys, we're going the wrong way. I'm sure of it. And they were like, no, this is fine. We're going the right way. And we started going down this one. And we eventually realized we did go the wrong way. But it seemed fine. Like, we were on something pretty easy. And then I skied down because I was in the back because... I'm not going fast. That's not happening. And I hear Alyssa say, oh, no. And I was like, if she can ski and she's upset, that means there must be a problem. So I skied down to where Alyssa was. And turns out we accidentally went on this really steep black diamond with, like, the weird mogul bump things. And I got up there, and I was like, no, <laughs> this isn't happening. I was like, can I just, like, climb back up the mountain? What are we going to do? And my dad and Uncle Mike, who had been leading us, like, it's going to be fine. We're going to find a way down. Maybe we'll go down the sides. And I was freaking out. And then I hear my brother just go, woohoo! And then we looked down, and he just slid down the entire black diamond on his butt, and he was already at the bottom. <laughs> and so the rest of us that weren't that good skiers took our skis off, 
and slid down the mountain, and it ended up being a lot of fun. And I feel like following Jesus can be kind of like that, because it can seem kind of hard or scary in the beginning, but Jesus will help you through, and he'll find a way, and it all worked out in the end. Absolutely. I was also one of those saying, oh no, at that run. Thank you. Thank you, Kaylee, for sharing that. After calling his disciples, Jesus began traveling and began teaching. And Emma's going to continue with one of Jesus's teachings. Yes. One of Jesus's teachings was about forgiveness. In Matthew 18, 21 through 22, we read, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I really love that Jesus practiced what he taught. Jesus forgives Peter for denying him, and as he is dying on a cross, Jesus forgives the people who crucified him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus didn't just teach people how to live through his words. He also showed people how to live in his actions. As children, we naturally imitate the people around us. At our family's previous church, we had a youth leader named Carolyn. She was always pretty patient. I almost never saw her get angry. She was always curious, asking lots of questions, seeming invested in the lives of the people around her. She had a positive energy about her. I loved being around her, and I wanted to follow her example. She was a role model for me because she actually lived out what she believed. In Jesus, we have a perfect role model. As followers of Jesus and as children of God, we get to imitate Jesus. Amen to that. Yes, yes. Thank you, Emma. Lena has also chosen a teaching of Jesus that's particularly meaningful to her. Okay. The teaching that is meaningful to me is that Jesus taught a lot about love. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught that the greatest commandments are to love God and love people. These two things are really connected. We show our love for God by loving people. Jesus not only taught this, but he also demonstrated this. He showed us that in the kingdom of God, everyone is valuable, everyone is loved, and everyone is taken care of. I've realized that we can love people in simple ways that make a really big difference. For example, I try to smile a lot at people at school. A simple smile can make a big difference in how someone's day is going. I remember going to Fred Meyer one time and deciding that I was going to smile at every single person I saw in the store. (laughs) And as I was leaving, I heard someone say, there's that girl that keeps smiling. Someone noticed. (laughs) I imagine that Jesus smiled at a lot of people while he was teaching on loving God and loving each other. Another way to love people is by taking the time and helping them. When I first started doing high jump for my track team at high school, I was a freshman. Um, I didn't realize how messy your hair could get when you went over the bar, and I had to redo my hair every single time I went over it. But the senior we had that year, she took the time to teach me how to put my hair into a messy bun, and it worked a lot better. So instead of having to do my hair after every jump, I only had to do it after, like, two. (laughs) Sometimes it's the simple things that we do for people that show we really care. I love how Jesus sums up everything in his two greatest commands, to love God and love people. Amen. 
So Jesus invited people to follow him, his disciples. He taught people what it looks like to follow him, to, to forgive and to love God and love people. Jesus also performed a lot of miracles and a lot of healings. And so one of Jesus' healings really stood out to Alyssa. Luke five seventeen b through 19. And the power of the Lord was with, was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Jesus had compassion, and he healed this man. It's amazing to me how the man's friends played the important role of getting the man to Jesus. This man could not have made it to Jesus on his own. This reminds me of something that happened to me recently. I was skiing with some friends and family. It was after lunch, and we'd just reached the very top of the mountain when I discovered that my boot had a crack in it. Not having any other options, we started on the run. Not more than 30 seconds in, I toppled to the ground. I looked down, and this is what I saw. Can you help me? My boot had exploded. The entire bottom part of the boot had stayed attached to my ski but fallen off. This could have been a very frustrating experience. The conditions that day had been absolutely terrible, but we were finally on a run that everyone was enjoying, and now I couldn't even do it. Also, the bottom of the boot that was remaining is not waterproof, and so my feet were getting extremely cold. But instead of being frustrating, a whole bunch of people helped me. First, my Uncle Matt had a genius idea. He had me lay on my back with my head facing downhill, and hold tight to his poles. He then started skiing and dragged me down the mountain while yelling, transporting a dead body here. (laughs) About 10 minutes later, the ski patrol picked me up, strapped me into a toboggan, and gave me a fun, quick ride down the mountain. It's very important how people get to help each other. The group who was with me on that ski trip made it a positive and fun experience, and the ski patrol helped get me down the mountain. Back in the story I read from Luke, the man's friends helped him by bringing him to Jesus. They did not give up when it got difficult. Each of us gets to have a personal connection with Jesus, but we also connect with Jesus as a community. We each need help and healing from Jesus. We are invited to support and help each other as we follow Jesus together. Yes, amen to community. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you. Now, Jesus taught and he demonstrated what love looks like in this world. And yet many of the religious leaders didn't like Jesus. They opposed him, in fact, because they were waiting for a Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah that would come for Israel. And yet Jesus wasn't what they were waiting for. They were expecting someone to look different. Jesus came in gentleness and love. And so the religious leaders opposed him and eventually they killed him on the cross. Jesus was treated cruelly and unfairly, and yet God had a plan all along. Jesus himself told his disciples what would happen in Luke 9, verse 22. Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He must be killed and on the third day be raised again. Jesus chose to die as a sacrifice for humanity. Jesus chose to be killed as a sacrifice so that he could conquer death and he could conquer sin. And in his death, he could offer people new life, 
could offer us new life and forgiveness. And, and as we think about this and try to wrap our heads around this, uh, something that often comes up is why? Why would God do such a thing? Why would anyone do such a thing? And 1 John 4 tells us why. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. The God who is love is motivated by love, even, even death, even all the way to death on the cross. But right before his death, Jesus sat down with his disciples, um, and he was eating a meal, and, and he instated um, something that we call the Lord's Supper. We call it communion or the Eucharist. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, this passage is from Matthew 26, 20, verses 26 through 28. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, and this is a quick explanation of communion. The bread or the crackers represents Jesus' body. The juice represents Jesus' blood. We share in communion to remember Jesus' death on the cross. Anyone who wants to is invited to share in communion with us. There will be people standing up front on the right and on the left holding communion. During this next song, anyone who wants to is invited to come up the center aisle and share in communion. Then you can go back down the side aisle to return to your seat. So we're going to take communion now, and we're all invited. I'm going to invite our uh, communion servers to come on up as I pray for our communion. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you so loved us, that you so love us. God, we thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, that your death on the cross is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, and that in that You conquered sin, you conquered death, and you offer us new life. You offer us a new way of living, a way of being forgiven and living out um, your love in this world. And so, Lord, today as we take communion, we remember you. We remember what you have done for us and how you love us and how you call us into relationship and call us to live for you. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the story doesn't end in Jesus' death. It doesn't end in his crucifixion. Jesus is alive. In Matthew 28, there were women who went to, to the tomb of Jesus, and they saw an angel. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I, I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. 
So if we tell the story of Jesus, we can't end with the crucifixion. We, we have to go to the next part where Jesus rose from the dead, where he conquered death and offers us new life, and that we are invited today to live in and through our resurrected Jesus. So as we look at the story of Jesus, we've seen that he invited people to follow him. He, he taught many things, including he taught on forgiveness and on loving God and loving people. He performed many miracles. He was killed, but then on the third day, he rose again. And so we're left with this question. So what does this mean for us? But here's the story of Jesus. What does it mean for us? The story of Jesus shows us that Jesus is worth following. We are invited to follow Jesus and live like him. In John 13, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Following Jesus means becoming more like Jesus, especially more loving. We are invited to experience God's love and also live it out. How we treat each other is really important. As Jesus loves us, we are invited to love others. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are love. We thank you that you've showed us how to love. We thank you that we get to experience your love individually and in community. Lord, we pray that you would teach us how to live out this love how to just let your love fill us and overflow into all of our relationships. And that when people interact with us as a church, <laughs> act with your church, Lord, that they would see Jesus, that they would experience your love. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for, for your love, and we thank you for this invitation that we get to be a part of, that we get to participate in. In all this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.